Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. Good morning and welcome to Arts R Us. I'm Noreen Mitchell. I'm here in the studio with my co-host Karen Cassian. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Noreen. And we're very pleased to welcome with us today Kay Leslie. Good morning, Kay. Good morning, Thanks Noreen. for joining us, Kay. Thank you. <laughs> Kay is very interesting and has had a long career, and we has, we'll talk more about that. But Kay's desire is to enhance the awareness of vision loss and to examine the myths and misconceptions around disability. And Kay is with us with another guest, and that is her dog, Storm. Could you describe Storm for us, please? Sure. Storm is a guide dog from uh, Morristown, New Jersey. It's a school that has been operating uh, since the 40s, and uh, they breed their own dogs. And so Storm is number five for me in terms of guide dogs. And he is a cross, a lab golden retriever cross. He weighs about 86 pounds and he's black, very shiny fur. Very shiny fur. (laughs) And he has a very big head and he's very sociable and lovable and he's a good guide. (laughs) I was asking you what happens to the dogs when when you can no longer use them as guide dogs and you were telling me that your relatives take them, which I think is wonderful because you still get a chance to see them. Exactly, I've been very fortunate. I mean, if you have other family members, you, you can keep your retired guide dog and they usually retire around 10 Mm -hmm. sometimes 11 depending on their their health Um, but um, in my case uh, because I I am alone I need my dogs to go to another place and you can return them to the school but I'm lucky to have nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. who have taken my former guide dogs and given them a lovely home in Muskoka. That's great. (laughs) And you came to Muskoka about four years ago with Storm and you're, you retired after a career in human resources, I, and I believe it was a quite distinguished career at the banks in Toronto. Oh, thank you. Well, I did. I worked for um, Bank of Montreal for a number of years, and then I finished my career with Scotiabank, and I, I worked in human resources uh, training and development, and most recently, staffing and recruitment. So it, it was a great career. Really enjoyed it. You've also been an advocate, an activist, I would say, for the visually impaired and other people with other disabilities. Uh, would you talk a bit about how that came to be? Sure. Uh, well, I think <laughs> I've always had a personal and professional interest in disability. So I uh, was um, became a member of the AODA, um, which is is, is the uh, um, <laughs> accessibility for Ontarians, for Ontarians with Dis- disabilities Act. Act. Yes. Okay, thank exactly. you. Exactly. I, I didn't know, so yeah. I needed to do that. And uh, and so um, then you know I. Uh, since then have have been uh, a member here in Huntsville of the uh, the accessibility committee at town hall and um, and I'm hoping to become a partner for patient um, wellness and um, self uh, Center as a patient-centered interest at the Huntsville Hospital. Hmm. Um, oh, so great. I've always been 
interested in trying to enhance um, the rights and, you know, accessibility of people with disabilities. You had a family background that was very inclusive. Your family did a lot of things, and you were a very sports-minded person, it seems to me. What, you were able to do lots of activities, including scuba diving. I with thought your, that was interesting. <laughs> with your <laughs> twin with sister. With your sister, who's the, the fish, yeah. or you were the fish. Or? Yes, my, my twin sister is fully sighted and, and also living here in Huntsville. So Joan and I uh, became buddies when we are diving, and, uh, and I used to fondly refer to her as my seeing eye fish underwater <laughs> because she would read my tank gauges and and point out little things underwater you know seahorses and eels and little shrimp and things and fire coral <laughs> anyway we we've been so fortunate to have been able to dive with a, a dive group out of north bay for you know, to the Caymans and uh, Bonaire and Mexico, a number of places. That's so wonderful. Yes. You also did skiing, yes. both water and land skiing, all kinds of things. Yeah. What were some of your non-sports activities that you found yourself uh, drawn to? Well, I, I love to travel. And again, I've been very fortunate in, in being able to travel, you know, fairly extensively with good friends and family and so on. There's a travel group now called Be My, uh, um, sorry, Travel Eyes, and they will match you up with a different guide every day uh, on various trips. So that's exciting. Again, making travel accessible for anyone who may be on their own and blind or visually impaired. Um, but I love reading. Again, I do it. You belong in, to two book clubs. I do. <laughs> I do. And uh, and I, I enjoy them very, very much. And my books, of course, are I, I get them online through SELA Library. It's um, a, um, a Canadian equitable uh, library um, accessible for all print disabled people. So I can get almost any book that, that a library would have Wonderful. in print. Mm -hmm. That's great. And we're particularly interested in the arts today, and, and we're hoping that you can tell us how to make the arts more accessible to people with disabilities. That's a big question. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what are, the, are some of the ways that accessible assistive technologies and techniques have made it possible for visually impaired individuals uh, to par participate in the enjoyment of the arts? Another big question. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, there was a time when I remember uh, years and years ago uh, when, you know, as a blind person, you really wouldn't consider going to a place like the AGO, um, the Art Gallery of Ontario, or the ROM because everything was very visual. Um, and fortunately now, um, there are programs, and I, I mentioned to Noreen that um, the AGO now, the assistant curator, Melissa Smith, is responsible for making art universally accessible and they have programs for blind and visually impaired people where they actually describe each piece of art and a bit of the art history so that you feel like you can see the art and they are very very good at it that's a gift eh? that's a real gift. Uh, they have a really... series called multi-sensory yes multi-sensory 
museum moments. Wow. <laughs> and that's it because it doesn't matter whether you are deaf, you know, they have interpreters, they have describers, they have, um, if if someone has cognitive differences, uh, including Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, they, they have specific art uh, sessions for them. They, they try to make it accessible for people who do not live in a big city, so more rural people, mm-hmm. um, through uh, computer, through Zoom and so on online. And they have, uh, you know, even sessions for people with autism where they can reduce the amount of stimulation and make the environment much more comfortable for individuals. So that's great. I think that's wonderful. One of the things that I came across was in, in that was that um, there's a program, and you, I think you mentioned it to me, that Melissa Smith, the assistant curator that you're familiar with at the Art Gallery of Ontario, she's in, in collaboration with the Faculty of Design at OCAD. Yes. And they are trying to make design more inclusive right from the beginning. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, not only um, for theaters and so on and plays um now whenever i go to a play for example a live production i request the headsets for um audio um uh, description so that you know when there are quiet parts in the play or if there's not a great deal of dialogue i can follow what's going on someone is actually telling you what's happening on stage and when we went to see war horses for example a group of blind people we were able to go backstage and feel the horses and understand how they were made and it was it was wonderful so tactile touching is is an important part of yes yes exactly and we're going to talk about that more noreen (laughs) as soon as we come back after a short break This is Dr. Shervin. Hello. Dr. Shervin owns a dental practice in Huntsville. Yes, ma'am. But it's not only a dental practice. Dairy Lane Dental plays a major role in our community, supporting organizations that enrich your town like Community Radio, being a member of the Bay Food Crew, and Huntsville Hospital Foundation Business Cares Program. Dr. Shervin and his team at Dairy Lane Dental knows that alongside truly understanding their patients by providing a pleasant dental experience comes a responsibility to take care of our home. This is correct. Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. We're back on Arts R Us. I'm Noreen Mitchell with Karen Cassian, and our guest today is Kay Leslie. And Kay was talking to us about the many ways in which the arts can be made available to all of us. The arts are all of us. We were talking about tactile touching and how important that is for visual arts, probably and performing arts, obviously. Uh, if you were at War Horses, that would, must have been pretty exciting to uh, feel those props. And, yes, yeah. it was fabulous because otherwise it's hard to imagine, you know, how they mm-hmm. would be made and function and so on and, and all the details, you know, how they can move their tails and their heads. And it was great, actually. So it, it really opens up the the world of, of theater um, to being a passive person who's sitting there and not really knowing what the costumes look like or what, you know, people are doing uh, to to having that all described it's it makes it a much richer experience and you have ex- uh, 
yeah. experience yourself in theater. You belong to a blind theater group. I did. The and Glenn also Vale you did stand-up comedy. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did. Now, mind you, you can tell it's not my day job, but uh, but I, I worked with a, an amateur group of female comedians uh, um, at Second City, and it was so much fun. And I, I primarily focused on, you know, a day in the life of a blind person because I've had so many funny... They say, talk about what you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, and I've had a lot of very funny Can you tell us a couple of those stories? Because they're pretty funny. The, the one about the Brinks driver? <laughs> oh, yes. I was in Toronto at that point, and uh, I was looking for a particular kitchen shop to, to buy a Christmas gift. And it was cold, and I was, you know up and down the same block, and I could not find it. So I saw a van, and, and I thought, oh, I think there's a guy in it I'm not sure but maybe he'll know because he probably lives here so I knocked on his window and uh, the window came down a few inches and someone very calmly said could you please just step away from the van and I thought oh must have a new paint job (laughs) and uh and then he saw my guide dog and he said to me oh he said this is a new experience for me um this is a Brinks truck and I'm the driver and we're not really supposed to be chatting with people (laughs) So, so it was very embarrassing. He was very nice about it. He even said, you know, the story you're looking for is three doors up. (laughs) But yes, I'm sure. And then there was another one where you said you uh, were waiting for a cab and got into the back of a... Oh, the police car. Yes, I did. And, And that was at a time many years ago in Toronto when the police cars were yellow and so were diamond taxis. And so it was pouring rain and I saw this yellow car up hopped in and the, the 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 policeman started asking me questions you know uh, and I he said where what you know what uh, what are you looking for or something and I said well 95 <laughs> Park. and he said well uh, what about it and I thought oh my gosh and, and then out of my little tiny peripheral vision I saw his hat and I said oh my gosh is this a police car and he said yes and we don't often get young women hopping in the cruiser voluntarily <laughs> So again, he said, if it was on my beat, I'd take it. I said, no, no. So then my cab pulled up. And as we pulled around the police car, he said, I wonder what that cop's laughing so hard about. And I just said, no idea. I wasn't going to go there. I'm glad you have a sense of humor. I think it it must take you a long way. It does. Mm -hmm. It does. I think most blind people really do you know you have to be able to laugh because there aren't too many days go by that you don't um do something very silly you said you you said uh you were talking to mannequins a few times oh yes yes (laughs) that's happened several times in a store and and the clerks usually gingerly come up and say uh perhaps i could be of more help which is good (laughs) you told me once that the greatest barrier to blind people is attitude would you say that not only a sense of humor, but the right attitude works? Yes. And and I guess, you know, what I mean by attitude is, is usually the attitude of other people toward blind people. Um, and it's, it's changing, thankfully, but um, many people do, for some reason, think that blind people um, lead very different lives and that, you know, that that blindness defines us and that 
perhaps uh, you know we are less than, and so they don't expect as as much from us, and and at times could be kind of condescending um, because they they might think that you know they need to speak very loudly and slowly so we'll understand um, when in fact cognitively we are usually on par um, but yeah and and that keeps people either unemployed or underemployed sadly um, because people can't imagine how could you do this job if you can't see but of course now we have so much amazing technology that you know converts print to word and mm-hmm. um, and you know GPS devices and and on and on it goes so um, thankfully I think a lot of the myths and misconceptions around blindness are are changing and um, in fact statistics show that blind people are among the most highly educated um, of anyone. And I think that's partly because we have to be mm-hmm. in order to compete um, with, you know, the sided workforce. Okay, well, what should people, if people come up to you and they're, they want to ask you if, you if they can be of assistance, what's the best thing for them to say? Well, you know, that's a very good question because I think sometimes people are reluctant. They're afraid they might say something wrong, so they don't say anything or go near us. <laughs> um, but really, no one minds. In fact, we appreciate it if someone just simply says, can I assist you? Um, and if so, tell me how I can best assist you. Because usually if someone requires some guiding assistance, they will take your arm so that they can feel the motion of your body. And then if you say there's a step down or step up, that's great. But um, no one minds that at all. It's when I think people <laughs> grab you and, you know, or your dog and start steering you um, or push you in a chair, you know, that's not so helpful. Mm-hmm. But um, but certainly everyone appreciates just, you know, may I of assistance and you may not need it in which case you just say thank you i'm okay but yeah you must have people coming up to your dog all the time and and wanting to yes and they want to pet the dog and of course um (laughs) um he is a beautiful dog and he's very sociable so i know it's hard being a dog lover myself but um when the dog is in harness that means they're on duty and it's best not to acknowledge them or talk to them or whistle to them or or pat them um uh, but if you do want to pat the dog and the dog is not in guiding mode i i just simply put him at a sitting position and sometimes take his harness off um, because then he's legally a regular dog again and then it's okay to pat them but it's always always important to ask and just like sighted people everybody's different blind people too some are very strict and will say no thank you my dog is working and it's better not to distract them because it can put the blind person's life in danger you know if they walk you over a step or into the traffic or whatever so mm-hmm. so yeah best is always to ask and don't be offended if if the person says thank you but no mm-hmm. because maybe their dog is very easily distracted so don't take it personally if an artist wanted to make their work more inclusive and more accessible to visually impaired people uh, have you got any ideas or suggestions for how they can do that other simple things they can do for example 
like sure. texture. Sure. I mean, if it's if it's appropriate, like um, I went into a pottery shop here in Huntsville, and I, you know, I know a lot of blind people who are potters and weavers and you know photographers and and even painters. Um, but uh, I said, do you mind if I touch these things? Some of them. I mean, obviously, you don't want to knock anything right. over, but but you know, by feeling it, you can get a much better idea of what what it is. So, you know, again, um, some people will say, absolutely, please do. Um, and others might say, you know, I'd, I, I just would rather if you didn't. And then, then I would just ask that person or a friend who's with me, if they could describe it. So, you know, when it's feasible to make art um, tactile, or at least available to touch, that's very nice. But again, we understand that you know, if it's a blown glass display, you may not want blind <laughs> yeah. people. Oh, well, to I've it. read about museums that actually have made uh, copies of famous famous works of art, famous sculptures, and or else made sort of raised versions, three D print versions of paintings so yes. that you can do that these Ex touch tours what exactly. about during covid was that more difficult during the uh, last two years you know tactile? something i i'm i'm probably not the best person to answer that um because i haven't been to museums or art galleries during covid but you've but been very busy with vocal eye zoom sessions yes <laughs> i'd like you to talk about them when you have a moment please vocal eye yes um well uh there there are, I, what I would like to say, yeah. if anybody is interested in finding out more about how to make art accessible or how to get a tour of art in a more accessible manner, um, certainly contacting the AGO and asking for Melissa Smith or whoever is in charge of accessibility would be a good start. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that that would be excellent and, uh, you know, they they are the experts so yes, yeah yes. and sorry your question. And my question was about vocal eye because you sent me to vocal eye and i was so impressed uh, even though it's uh, they were talking about live description they also make available these zoom sessions you can go to uh, comedy or a play uh, even opera or a discussion about the astronomy so yes, yeah, I did yes. actually look at some of them on YouTube. Oh, excellent! Well, it's amazing. Um, th there is there's a, a group um, through the uh, th through the CNIB also that 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 does. Um, you know, hosts every week a curiosity night where they'll have, uh, for example, a, a trapeze artist who um, was uh, had With one no leg yeah. amputated, and yeah, yeah and mm -hmm. and she talked about her art, and they had um, someone talking about you know the planets and the moon and the stars and the the whole thing uh, in a way that that would be very you know, understandable to blind people. And we have a, a fellow who talks about birding, and he plays sounds of different birds so that blind people can can get to know, identify the the song of the bird mm -hmm. with the bird, and he describes what they look like. And so it's a really interesting group. And actually, on Saturday, last Saturday, I participated in a two-hour writing workshop with Vocalize, and, and they have a professional writer in residence who uh, talked to us about how to 
structure you know a story and uh, and 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 did it in a very accessible manner um, for anyone who was using different technology and and uh, so I'm that's a four week course so I'm participating in that and hope to and you told me that you're a member of the Muskoka Authors Association yes yes I am and in uh, your spare time yeah <laughs> exactly and I I do really enjoy that also I my dream is to is to one day publish um a book or two I I'm partway through a children's uh book um about dogs <laughs> and because as growing up my Twin sister and I, our family, always had dogs. So um, I'm writing about a situation in a family with a dog. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that um, I thought this would give me some extra motivation to keep writing because I'm... Well, we've talked about it now, so you have to yeah, do Good, it. now yes. I have to. We're yeah, thank you. Back you. On in a year I'm, I'm you, very yeah. good at procrastinating. <laughs> You've seen many changes socially and legislatively. How do you see getting to the place that you told me eventually disability will be no big deal? Ah, uh, that's, yes. I, I think there will be a time when um, people will just accept the fact that we all have differences. And, um, you know, I've always believed that that we fit somewhere on the spectrum, all of us. You know, I don't think there is anyone who doesn't have some kind of disability, whether it's, you know, emotional, um, you know, uh, physical or other and uh, just like people who wear glasses, you know, no one really thinks of that now as as a, a limitation. I think one day we will be very open and accessible to everyone, and uh, you know, and I think culturally too, you know, we, you know, we used to to be a pretty much a sea of white you know, able-bodied um, middle-class people, it seemed, uh, especially people going into the AGO, for example. And now, you know, we have so many different ages and cultures and uh, social wonderful. backgrounds. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I That's think really great. I think one day we will all just be mm -hmm. people. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? The yeah. arts are us, <laughs> all of us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Kay, for coming in and talking yes, to thank us you. today. Oh, it was so interesting. Yeah. We'd it's love been a to pleasure. have you back. Yes, I'd yeah. love to Maybe come back. Maybe you talk to us about those blind artists that you know. Yes, 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 yes. totally. Okay. There are many, many, you know, qualified and highly creative uh, blind artists. So that would be a pleasure. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, what's going on, Karen? <laughs> Let me tell you, in June, the Huntsville Festival of the Arts has a lineup, which is, is interesting. The Huntsville Art Crawl is downtown Huntsville from June uh, 1st to the 30th, and it's a collaboration between artists and businesses downtown, and that's going to be a yearly event. Uh, June 15th and 16th, Moore Barn, that's out at the Hillside Barn, and that's Tobin Springs and his band celebrating the music of Neil Young. If you haven't seen that, it's fabulous. Uh, there's a Landed Arts Festival out at the Hillside Barn, June 17th and 18th, uh, and that will include um, performing artists, uh, visual artists, food, drink. Um, that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, there's a group of seven canoe murals that will be on display at River Mill Park, June 21st to the 26th. 
And that's it for June. Uh, the Dragonfly Theater Company in Bracebridge has started up again, and they're doing California Suite coming up June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. So go on their website and uh, check that one out. There's a dinner theater, or you can just go and see the production. And I think that's it for the performing arts. How about you? The Huntsville Art Society is currently showing in Partners Hall Swing Into Spring, and that's on until May 31st. At the Huntsville Public Library, Tom Clark is showing his work. At Hospice Huntsville, Margot Snow. Those are all Huntsville Art Society members. And at the Summit Centre, there's a show of, uh, called Remembering Jeff Miller, and that's on until May 30th. Um, I think that we have a lot of other things happening, but we're going to wrap up now and let, have you look for art everywhere. There's only one Hunter's Bay Radio. We, we are Muskoka. Muskoka.